Hi, I'm Dr. Andrea Stover, licensed marriage and family therapist, and you're listening to the Modern Day Romantic Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. Today, I wanted to tackle the question that often arises when people come to couples therapy or individual therapy too, which is, should I stay or should I go? Now, this is a really difficult question to answer. If if it were easy, people would just decide it and and that'd be that. So today I want to kind of unpack some of the complexity and I'm going to provide three different scenarios, which I think are fairly common when people present with this question and kind of walk us through these different scenarios and maybe help if this is you or someone that you know, help you gain a little bit more insight, direction, or at least uh, what to reflect on next if you're really grappling with this. So let's start by saying, if you're asking this question, that means that there's a conflict, right? Like you're in conflict inside of yourself. And I know that may sound obvious, but I felt like it was really important to still name that. And the next question is, what is the conflict? And are you aware of what that conflict even is? Sometimes we think ourselves into something and and have thoughts around why we might be feeling or uh, not able to fully commit or maybe, you know, thinking about divorcing or separating, but we may not really be aware of the deeper layers there. So I just kind of wanted to name that. I think there's a lot that goes into this question and this experience. So let's start with scenario A. Very often people come into therapy and say, I just don't feel like my needs are ever going to be met. You know, no matter, uh, how much I might, you know, knock on my partner's head or there's almost this sense of surrendering, but it's not like a powerful surrender where it leads to acceptance. It's more like feeling hopeless and, and in despair and, and just really deflated. So if that's you or a situation that someone you know is in or has been in, the first thing I would want to ask is, have you actually spoken to your partner about that? So sometimes people think that they've been really clear with their partner about how they're feeling and what their experience is, but I often find uh, that's actually not true. Uh, they, they almost have this internal narrative going inside and are critiquing or judging or making decisions based on their partner's behaviors, actions, lack thereof. And the partner really has no idea the level at which they're being scrutinized. They may not have a clue about any of this. So that's, that's question one. Have I actually brought myself fully and clearly to my partner and, and expressed something that simple? I have needs that I don't feel are being met. And I'm really kind of going in this direction of feeling like they will never be met in this relationship. Okay. If you've already done that next, I would say, what have the two of you tried beyond having conversations or dialogue, uh, between yourselves? It, if you put yourself in the, on the receiving end of that, 
that can feel really threatening to a partner if you come and say that to them. And what might happen is their survival instinct might kick in and you may not really be able to get beyond, you know, that they might go into freeze or shut down. They might get defensive and start arguing or fighting with you about something. You know, that's not true. And here's why. Or maybe they just go cold or, or kind of numb out. So this is a really important thing. And, and of course, I'm a marriage and family therapist, couples therapist. So I do always encourage people to try that out. I mean, especially if there's a, a relational thing coming up, because sometimes it really helps to stabilize the relationship to allow that third, that person, the, the couples therapist in there to, to facilitate insight, insight, dialogue, things that may, uh, it may be difficult for one or both partners to get to, you know, just, just with the two of you. So that's the next question is what have we tried, uh, you know, beyond just the two of us talking. And I think the third question I have is what have you identified within yourself? If you're asking for particular needs to be met by a partner do you see it from their side as well? What would they need from you in order to better be able to show up in the way you're asking them to, rather than just automatically stating and declaring, you're not capable of this, you're never going to meet my needs. Well, okay, what might they need? And again, maybe you would need some help having that conversation. But it's not just about, hey, I'm all good over here and I need you to do the changing. There's usually uh, both people are required to change in some form or fashion if there's going to be change that occurs in a relationship. So that's something I really think uh, not just it's so, again, that internal dialogue gets so focused on what the other isn't doing or how they're incapable in this, that or the other way. But also remember to reflect on what might I need to do different or how might I need to, to show up? And, and also, am I meeting my own need as well? And so it's not just our partner's responsibility to meet our needs. You know, it's, it's ours to show up for ourselves as well. So I know a lot of couples, they'll say, yes, I have tried all of those things. And it's still, ugh, you know, I, I still feel this way. And so that might be a time to, again, okay, we're doing this. It's, should I stay or should I go? But if you've gone through all those other things, then I really think making the informed choice of, okay, what, what will my life be like if this particular need will never be met in this relationship? Is there any way I can get it met outside of this relationship and still see goodness and, and value in the relationship I'm in? Or is this simply not going to work for me because this is too fundamental and too basic to my uh, sense of solidity, to my own inner uh, security, to, to uh, something I, it's not a want, it's a need that I simply can't go without. Okay. So those are just some reflections on that scenario. Next, let's do a scenario where maybe a betrayal has occurred in a relationship. This is often another very common dilemma that comes up. Should I stay or should I go? Now, the betrayal can look 
lots of different ways. I could use the example of having an affair when there's an affair in a marriage or a relationship or some form of cheating. Uh, there could also be some type of betrayal as far as, uh, you know, there's financial betrayals. There's thinking you're on the same page and, and talking things through with one another and something happens uh, behind your back that you discover. So betrayal comes in, in lots of form. I also want to throw this example out too, because I think this is a really common one, which is sometimes when partners, uh, it's not just you that's in the relationship, right? There's always the extended family. And oftentimes people feel like, uh, hey, it's you and me that are supposed to be in the relationship, not you and your family of origin. So it can sometimes that can feel like a betrayal too. It's it's not one or the other, but how you know how solid are we in this uh, partnership? And if it feels like you're going to go to your family over over me as your partner, then that can feel like a betrayal too. Okay, so first and foremost with betrayal, depending on the severity it's going to likely bring up a lot of uh, trauma or at least a, a deep wound within the person who, not just the person who is, has been betrayed, but I think also the betrayer oftentimes too. So if you are the one that's been betrayed, you are going to have to do your best to kind of sort through shock, um, work through the grief that's naturally going to arise in something like this, anger, depression, all sorts of, all sorts of uh, not pleasant things that are, are likely going to be stirred. If you can get your, your feet beneath you, I'm not saying that you feel like you're totally you know, resolved because we're still sitting with this question, should I stay or should I go? But if you can find the ground again, I think the first question for you to ask is, is this a deal breaker for me? Is what occurred a deal breaker? Now, this requires again, that you're clear enough and not in emotional reactivity to the pain that you're in, but really being uh, able to know yourself. It requires self-knowledge as well. Like, look, no matter how I feel about you, at the end of the day, I know I, I just will suffer immensely for the rest of our time together if we stay together because I'll forever be haunted by this or I'll always have that nagging feeling like I may never be able to trust you. And that's really no way to live, right? Is to, to constantly be in a heightened state of anxiety and fear about, you know, at any moment, um, you know, another shock could happen. So that's the first question. Is this a deal breaker or not? And that is not an easy question to answer. And you're going to want to take your time and, and really kind of comb through, well, again, that emotional reactivity, of course, but also, you know, no, I'm not happy this happened. And I'm still willing to try to see if we can work through this. Okay. The next question would be is, what do you need from your partner in order to rebuild or regain trust? This isn't just a conversation. This isn't a one-time occurrence. This is uh, a behavior change of some sort that also reflects empathy, compassion, understanding. You need some type of repair, in other words. You need to see, it's not you're doing this to make up for it, but it's more oh my gosh, you know, if I'm ever going to feel safe in this relationship again, this is what I will need from you. 
Now, in addition to that, I think it's a really important question as well to ask, what might I need from myself? Just as much as if you're asking, you know, your partner for something, well, what are you going to need to do for you in order to regain or rebuild trust and security within yourself and within the relationship too? So let me give an example of that. Oftentimes with affairs, what that stirs is a hypervigilance. There's a, you know, I need to, oh, I think it's, is it like Live 360 maybe? I think that's the apps on, on phones where you can always see the location of your partner, let's say. And maybe in the beginning, that's, that really helps you feel secure. Maybe you're, you're looking at their phone and you need something like that. I'm not sure how sustainable that one is through time. If that works for you or, or someone that you've known, then great. But I think what that does is it it continues or perpetuates the hypervigilance. You know, well, I'm always going to be keeping one eye. You know, where are you? What what's going on? And and anyways, I I think that it's more about this question for you is what will I need in order to restore some type of not being in survival mode? That can be okay in the beginning, but ultimately I think you're going to want to get to a place where you know in your body that you trust your partner again, that you don't have to look at the phone or the phone records or, and again, this is just an example, but in order to feel safe and secure. So what would you need in order to get to that place? And that might mean some individual time to reflect, feel, mourn, uh, learn to feel safe in your own skin, your own body. And I also want to say too, I think sometimes with affairs, a, a lot of, or just being betrayed in general, let's use the family of origin one as well. What happens psychologically for the one that's been betrayed is you feel on some fundamental level like it was personal, like it's because you're not enough or something isn't quite right with you or you need to be this, more of this, less of that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you're going to kind of take on all of the responsibility for that and make it because of you, then I don't see how you're ever going to heal either because it kind of just continues or perpetuates um, <clears throat> that, that pain loop. So this leads to the next question, though, which kind of piggybacks off of that. There's a therapist that wrote a book called Calling in the One and uh, coined the term conscious uncoupling and all sorts of things. I believe her name is Catherine Woodward Thomas. One of the things that she says that I really, really uh, think is a great nugget to take away is even if you've been betrayed or, you know, gone through some type of a, an ending to a relationship or, you know, kind of feel broken or just, just kind of left, you know, hanging and, and in pain there. This question of what is it that I can take responsibility for? And she says, even if it's only 3%, even if 97% is stuff the other person did, if you can claim your 3%, that is where your power is. So I love that question. I love the idea of that because what that really does is gives you your power back. And, and we're not kind of caught in it's all me or it's all them. We're even in that 3%, you're, you're claiming a hundred percent of that 3%. I believe she'd say something to that effect. And 
that that will really help to mobilize you and move this thing forward. Okay, the final question I think that's really important to ask is, and this may sound twisted and depending where you're at in this pain loop, but how might this betrayal have served the relationship? Okay, so it could mean it brought all of these things to light that were really not good to begin with or needed a lot of work. And, um, you know, as a result, like we both, it, it, it brought it to the surface so that we can actually, uh, we're, we're motivated or, or maybe not, we just have to, we simply have to work on this stuff now. And that, again, that's not about you or your partner. That's about the relationship because the relationship has needs too. Now, it could also mean that it serves the relationship by just pressing the red button on it and, and blowing it up. It, it ended the relationship. And maybe neither one of you knew how to end the relationship and needed something like this too. So those are just some things to think about in scenarios where there's been a betrayal. Okay, the final scenario that I wanted to bring up, which again, I think is a pretty common occurrence as well in people coming to therapy is they'll say, look, I have a great life. I maybe have a great job, uh, maybe wonderful kids if, if the couple has children. But at the end of the day, I am not in love with my spouse anymore. I'm, I just do not feel that way about them. I, I, it, it's a dispassionate relationship and in that way, it has its own form of misery. Okay. So first and foremost with that, I would want to say, okay, ha have you tried everything? You know, are you clear with your spouse? And, and I'm not saying like, you have to just go declare that to them, but have you really tried to, you know, ignite the spark? Have you done some soul searching with the partner around, you know, when, when did this change? When did this dynamic occur? And sometimes that happens by internally, it's an interior experience and the partner has no idea, but I still would, would kind of scratch my head and think, eh, I think there might be, um, some indicators there. I, I think on some level, even more subconsciously or unconsciously, people are probably aware if, if you've fallen out of love with them. Okay, so here are some questions I would really want you to reflect on if this is you. One, what are the consequences to myself and to the others if I stay? Okay, that's a really important. It's not just what are the consequences to the others if I stay, uh, such as, uh, you know, consequences aren't good or bad unto themselves, right? There's not a right or wrong. It's just, it's sitting with consequences, but let's really think about what happens if you stay in a marriage, in a relationship where the love has dried up and the love can't be, uh, rebirthed into a new form that it's kind of emotionally dead for you in that way. What are you modeling for, if you do have children, what are you modeling there? What are, so there are real consequences if you stay and that is going to be permanently your state uh, in that particular relationship. What's, what are also the consequences of, of feeling dead on the inside? Hello, like these are huge, huge questions and huge things to really ponder. Okay, likewise, what are the consequences for yourself and for others if you leave? So I think Again, I'm going to use this scenario of if there are children involved, just because it's a really common one doesn't mean that there are always children, of course, in this example. But 
you know, the, the bottom line is you've built a life with someone and whether that involves or includes children or not, there's this sense of, uh, being a part of that and, and being proud of that, or maybe that's the, the, the saving grace or the redeeming quality in the relationship for you. So when you think about leaving, there's a ton of grief and loss and feeling responsible for maybe breaking up a family or destroying not just your life, but someone else's. And I think that's a lot of responsibility for the person to carry. And I can completely understand why this decision feels so weighty. It's so heavy. Okay. The really important thing to think about with any of this, though, is that this is not a dichotomy. This isn't I either choose myself or I choose them or or my partner. This has to be whatever your your conclusion is. It has to be workable for you. It can't be. Uh, well, it can be. But sadly, uh, you don't want it to be. I'm just going to not just dim my life, my light, but extinguish my flame in order to stay in this, because you're not going to really be living your life then, right? So I think another really important question with this is, what do I feel my purpose in my life is? So take it out of, you know, the context of the relationship, get clear about your individual sense of purpose and meaning for your life. And if you were to follow that path, how does that maybe inner stirring or inner calling, how is that creating a conflict? Maybe there's a new life waiting for you, uh, such as changing careers or moving to a different location, or you've met uh, people that have really inspired you to think differently and, and you really want freedom to be able to explore those, those different ways of being. Whatever the case may be, I think being able to get clear about you, your vision, your aim, and make sure that you're not creating a narrative or a story that your partner would not be okay with that. You've got to be as clear as you can about yourself and the direction you're wanting to go. And even when partners say, absolutely not, no way, I'm never moving or nope, we're just going to be here forever. Okay, well, is that... Is that really non-negotiable or is, just, is that the automatic you know, reaction? So I think there's just a lot to sort through here, being able to really get clear about what are these conflicts and what is stirring in me? Why, is, why now? And it, with any of these things, what I really want to say is that when it's time to grow, when there's time for a change... There's often a, a feeling of dissatisfaction or discontent with what is. And we don't get to know all of the answers as to how things are going to turn out or what's going to happen next. All we can do is be with that which arises in us and sit with the questions, do, maybe seek out some type of external support system to be able to really unpack the the layers and and the parts that you may not even be able to see because we we all have blinders, right? Blind spots. So I think being able to recognize that at the end of the day, a decision is a decision. A choice is a choice. And you're just doing the best you can do. And I my heart goes out to everyone who's asking this question because I know on, on some level you're in pain. And it's not easy to be in pain. 
and it's definitely not easy to be in pain and be in a position where you feel like you're going to um, cause pain for another as well. So these things can get really paralyzing and heavy because it feels like there's no win. There's no way out every, every path, you know, there's, there's pain. And I say this frequently in my podcasts, but what I want to remind you of now and over and over again is that oftentimes growth and pain co-occur. You can't have one without the other. There are there are growing pains and you have to get really clear about what is your psyche asking of you to be able to grow, stretch, explore, expand, or release in order to make an informed choice and decision. And the risk of not really knowing what's going to happen one way or the other, right? Like you, you really, we think we know the answers to things, but we don't, we make a decision in time and that's it. And we, we move forward and we see what life has in store for us next. So I hope anyone out there who's asking this question has gotten a little bit more to think about. I know there's a lot more scenarios I could have brought forth, but in the interest of time, I just wanted to name three that I think are really common that present themselves in therapy. And I just, through life experience, witnessing and, and connecting with people, I, I know these are three common things that arise. So thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're interested in learning about ways to work with me, head over to my website, themoderndayromantic.com. From there, you'll be able to contact me and learn a bit more about the customized intensives and retreats I offer both individuals and couples. You'll also be able to support future podcast production via Patreon. There are several membership levels to choose from, including the Beating Hearts Club, which gives you access to exclusive content every month. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next episode.